You're listening to the Three Points in a Pie podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of Three Points in a Pie podcast. I am always your host, Colby, with my UK slash Scottish counterpart, Sean. Hello, hello. Alfie couldn't be with us today. Uh, He had to take care of some matters at the homestead. So me and Sean are going to be with you alone today. We are going to recap the top six masters that we predicted last week share our predictions and obviously you guys probably already know the scores we're going to talk about what happened with a yang it's pretty terrible and then we want to talk about the state of aston villa there's a lot to be talked about there sean's going to give you a good insight on that and then we're going to go in for our predictions for this week we have a really short week because champions league's coming up So we got matches Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And then we're right into Champions League on the 6th, which is Tuesday. So it's going to be a wild, wild couple of weeks for football. But to start off, uh, let's talk about the Brighton versus Leeds match. Alfie predicted a 2-0 Brighton. You and I predicted 2-1 Leeds. Brighton mm, came out yeah. 1-0. I think we were really reeling on the fact that Jesse Marsh had just kind of like cemented himself in that last game, and then now he just it, – it's back to – I hate to say it, Ted Lasso. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a strange one. I think, obviously, the hype from the Chelsea game is what motivated the score. Sure, sure. Yeah, it was, but at the same time, Brighton, you know – could we we better form from them as well? And it was really just like a toss-up between what one do you want to go for? Oh, Leeds had the better performance. Let's go Leeds. But not the best performance from them. Brighton, no. you know, Pascal Gross, put it away. Him and Danny Welbeck up front working well together. Yes. I mean, I think it's fair to say that match is just a toss-up between... The stats for the game as well were very even-sided. Not much to say on it. Fair play to Brighton. No. Can they keep the form going? That's my question. Are, are are they? And my other question to that is: Are they kind of like the dark horse of the Premier League this year? Because walking into it, I mean, they lost. They lost. Um, uh, what's his name? Not 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 Cucurella, Not Cucurella, The other guy. Um, oh, um, shit. To to Tottenham. Yes, Basuma lost him. Basuma. Yes, thank you. They lost them. They kind of were focal points of their team. And I kind of felt like even though, yes, Denny Wellback's in there, that losing them was going to hurt them substantially. And it hasn't. It's actually kind of almost – it almost feels like it's kind of helped them. Because maybe it's just a lack lack of uh, toxicity in the the locker room or something like that. But, like, Brighton's looking good right now. And I know it's only four weeks in, but kudos to them. You can fair play them. I think they just took it as if we've lost two key components to the team and Graham Potter's just said, you know what, when you're a small team, little things are expected, so let's go out there and do some big things. And I yeah. think there's a good thing about being a small team is you don't have high expectations on you. So, right. do you know what, I think that's always a positive when you're a, a small fish in a big pond, let's say. Yes. Uh, I'll agree to that. Um, next match, City versus Palace at the Etihad. Yeah. We all had City winning this, funny enough, mm-hmm. um, as, as crazy as that game went. Alfie had him 2-0. I had him 1-0 uh, just because I felt like they were going to be not match fit after playing Barcelona midweek in a f- crazy friendly. Um, yeah. And then you had them 3-0. Comeback win. In a hat trick. Come back, man. Might in I say I was I had I had more hope in your team than you did, and I'm a Man United fan. And I had I, know, so I, was, I wasn't far off. <laughs> yeah, when I checked the score and seen they were getting beat two 0 off Palace, that that was a bit of a shocker as well. Big shock. Um, obviously, obviously, like the Newcastle game might have rattled the chains a little bit. Um, Joachim Anderson oh, getting a goal as well. I remember just that's the guy that. Nunez head butty. Yep. 
Unless you yeah. got yourself a little goal, but yeah, Haaland's hat trick. I, I see people criticising it, like, oh, it's it was just tapping goals. Oh, it's nothing special. No, he got a fucking hat trick. Stop it. I think exactly. a lot of people are trying to put Haaland down. I mean, I, I said that this man's going to come in and absolutely bang goals in, and he's was it six goals so far in three games for Man City. Six goals, one assist, three in four games. That's that, that is he's he, that's he already broken. came in. He already came in. He's he's already going to pass his dad's record, which is just funny to think that he's only <laughs> ever had nine nine goals in his entire tenure with City. Yeah, it's. I feel like a lot of that is just hater syndrome flat out it's mm-hmm. we didn't get him he's producing for the team we don't like so let's just trash him the best that we can i'm gonna tell everybody right now everybody that was chuffing darwin nunez up well he hasn't been able to play for the last now two games those numbers are gonna start dropping off liverpool doesn't look that much better no they they just don't it, it, it their midfield is always going to be suspect now granted this past week they, de- they did have a decent game yeah, they did get a little win. <laughs> it was Bournemouth, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just, the criticism on Holland is is purely just hater syndrome. It's, we don't got him, so we're going to trash him. He's doing exceptional. He's If he continues on the track that he is, he's, he's going to be in the same number of realms that he was in last season with Borussia Dortmund. Watch and learn, everybody. Watch and learn. Yeah, the man was born to score goals. Yes. And, and, and Pep has already come out and said, the way that they're trying to make this system and having everything funnel into him, they're going to be inside the box. They're going to be deep inside yeah. the fucking box every time. That's the only way he's going to go score goals. Everybody, if, if you want to see a worldie, you're going to have to look at Rodri to do that. You're going to have to look at Cancelo to do that. It's not going to happen from Holland, not this season. And I don't think for the next couple of seasons because everybody who plays right now, the way that the way that defense is played in the Premier League, it's just it's really hard to do with a striker up front. Yeah. Yes, he's big. Yes, he, he actually he actually took off two defenders. Uh, I believe it was on that second goal. Uh, yeah, he just brushed them away. I mean, he just brushed them away. So, I mean, again, watch and learn. Arsenal versus Fulham. Uh, that was a 2-1 match. Alfie predicted yeah, 4-0. I... I predicted 2-0. You predicted 2-1 with a Mitrovic goal, which yep. happened. That man is electric. I, 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 If there was another striker out there, if he was on the market and Holland wasn't, that'd be my guy. Oh yeah, this is. I, I believe this is Mitrovic's coming out season in the Premier League. Oh, yeah. Like I say, I called it two two one Arsenal because I feel Arsenal. Arsenal's form is the best right now. I love what they're doing. The football they're playing is fantastic. But yeah. at the same time, Fulham have surprised everyone with the way they've been playing. The physicality from Mitrovic is is something you would see back in the old days of football. I mean, his goal. Absolutely bullied Gabriel off the ball. It was yep. shocking defending from a centre back. He did redeem himself with a goal later on, but Mitrovic just went up to him and just bitched him, took the ball off and slotted it in. From a centre forward, beautiful. From a defender, terrible. But we knew Mitrovic was going to get the goal. But obviously Arsenal pulled it back because I feel like they're going to be strong this season. They're going to get a high finish. I mean, I would even call... If they stay like this, Arsenal are going to get maybe four, maybe three they'll finish. Interesting. I actually can see that. I can see that. I, I There's not really a lot to talk about with Arsenal yet. They're the number one team. They're doing things. Um, I will say, though, I feel like this match should have had more in the way of goals. But yeah, absolutely. Like, that, that kind of just yeah. goes to show the defensiveness of this game, which I'll take all day. I love a defensive match. People who sit there and like, oh, it's boring, it's boring. No, dude. You can always admire a defensive masterclass. And yeah. Obviously, I, did, I didn't even realize that Fulham had Bern Leno in goals from Arsenal. 
as well. He would have wanted to prove prove a point. Um, I mean, when you look at the stats for the game, Arsenal twenty two shots to Fulham's eleven. Arsenal weren't shy of the attacking. You know, the the defense from Arsenal was good. Like eleven tackles, one, ten block shots. Fulham though twenty two aerial duels, one, which is quite kind of a crazy stat. And they pulled out six saves. I mean, keep the form going for Fulham. They're not going to go down this season. Usually they, no. they're the yo-yo club. They come up, they go down, they come up, they go down. No. This season, they're here to make a statement and stay. Think they'll keep Norwich down? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> they always seem to pass each other up and down. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right, so... Uh... Wolves-Newcastle, we actually all called this game to be 2-0 across the board for Newcastle and it ended up as a draw one across. Mm, a very, very surprising result. Very with, surprising. With how, with how bad Wolves have been, I don't think anyone expected them to even get a draw. No. Um, you know, it was the man, you know, Ruben Neves for them, did get the goal. Newcastle did manage to bring it back in the end with St. Maximum, who for me... One of the best wingers in the Premier League. Fantastic top. player. Top. Top. Um, yeah, not much to say on it, to be honest. Nope. But, nope, not a whole you know, Newcastle didn't get didn't get a loss. So, I mean, I don't think they'll argue with it too much, especially after getting the draw against City. You know, they'll still wow. be on a high from it. Um, they did sure. dominate the game. 64% possession, 21 shots. I mean... We'll still yeah, see big dropping, Newcastle, I, I, I believe that too, but I feel like dropping two points right now, collectively over the last two, dropping four points, um, that might hurt them a little bit. Um, they did go up against the City side. That played very much evenly with them. I mean, obviously the score reflected that. Um, but, I mean... With the way that Wolves have played, now they were last year's dark horse in a way. I mean, between them and Crystal Palace, you didn't know which way they were going to go. They yeah. were always suspect, no matter no matter who they were going up against, in both the positive and, and negative. I expected more out of Eddie Howe in this one, just to kind of like put the gas to down to the fucking floorboard. It just didn't. Should have been a lot more. Yeah. Anyways, uh, for Spurs. Alfie predicted 1-2 Forest. I predicted 2-3 Forest. You predicted a draw. Spurs end up taking this 1-2-0. They Can didn't it, Spurs it up. They didn't Spurs it up, Harry Kane. Both goals. Um, obviously passing 200 league goals. Um, I think Conte said we've not seen their best form yet. I think that is true. I think they've still got a lot more to offer. The title race could be between Spurs and Arsenal. Who knows? But Forrest didn't look like pushovers. Forrest, you know, when you look at the stats, 55% possession. They dominated the possession for us, 17 shots as well. Um, don't get me wrong, only one of them was on target. But, I mean, it's good to watch a team. If you're a team going out against a big team, like obviously like Spurs, just go for it. You've got nothing to lose. People will expect you to lose. It's, again, just like the, the Leeds and Brighton thing. Just go for it. You're the underdog. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Forrest went out and bought two football teams this summer. So, we'll <laughs> yeah. see a lot of rotation, I think, from them. <laughs> no. You never know it's what Norton Forrest you're going to get, which is going to be the surprise this season. Right. Um, I mean, I, I did love the entire defence getting booked within 11 minutes. I mean, good good scrappiness from them. Uh, obviously, Richarlison with the showboat and getting taken the fuck out was quite... Quite funny, I'm not going to yeah. lie, when that tackle came in and just wiped him out. That's what right. happens when you button bash on the ball. It's, it's just like FIFA, if you're going to sit and play tricks at the back when you're getting beat, you're going to get... We're not going to win, but at least I can injure them. So I, I'm, I'm quite admiring what Nottingham Forest are doing, and I want to see them do well. I want to see Forest stay up. I do too. I do too. So... Uh, to move on to some news, Aubameyang gets robbed. Yeah. So apparently apparently what happened, if everybody hasn't read about it yet, 
a couple of robbers broke into his home, tied up. Well, they made him break into his own safe, took all the shit, and uh, they tied up him and his wife. Don't remember reading anything about the children if they were there or not. Hopefully, they weren't. Yeah, but this is this has now become a repetitive thing, season to season, where a player their house has been broken into, robbed, they've been beaten, all kinds of stupid shit. And it's really funny, too, because Aubameyang actually lives in the same neighborhood as, um, was it Danny Alves or is it uh, Luis Suarez? And they have they have security detail at their house, right? Oh, oh yeah. uh, Messi, Messi lives in the same neighborhood, too. They have, they have security detail in these neighborhoods. How are they? How is, then, how are these people like getting in? How how are these people not being seen? Like, they have unless the security guards were Arsenal fans, I do not know how this happened. <laughs> That's um, fucked up. <laughs> that, that really needs to be. I've been looking to see like, even if you're in a high security neighborhood or not, surely like four people breaking into a house would have raised some suspicion. Like alarms, why are right? alarms not going off? Security cameras. I mean, he'll be on. I don't even know, like 400,000 euros a week. Surely that could buy you like a ring doorbell camera or something, but... Literally. I mean, at least I'm no one was sure... hurt. <laughs> God, I'm sorry. At least no one's hurt, you know. They just seem to have went in, robbed, no intention to harm. So at least him and his family for the now are okay. I'm going to call it, it was probably Thomas Tuchel trying to tap him up to move to Chelsea. <laughs> If he moves to Chelsea now, we know why. Tuchel will give the camera a little wink at the unveiling. Maybe throw a crowbar and a ski mask to the side. Todd Bolly called the mob. He was like, hey, listen. We gotta intimidate this guy. We want him. Don't let him think it was us, though. <laughs> Fucking Oh, man. Yeah, so I, our thoughts and well wishes go out to Pierre Bamiang. That is... Just that that's that's gotta be horrifying to go through. I don't give a I don't care if you're fucking Lou Ferrigna. Like that's that's gotta be incredibly terrible to go through. Um Yeah. So let's take let's take a look at Aston Villa. Yeah. It's not looking good up in Birmingham, is it? Is no, it um with the West Ham game. Uh, fan, the Aston Villa fans were actually booing Steven Gerrard off yeah. towards the end of the game. And it's taken a lot of time, I think, for the miraculous. Aston Villa have not been doing well under Gerrard. And they've spent a lot of money. And the team for the team they have built, there's no excuse. I mean, he's managed to pull in boys like Coutinho into that team and just Nothing is getting done with it, and it's a very poor, with very poor form from West Ham, and to be getting beat West Ham at home, that's just not good enough. No, no. I know Villa were partially the better team, but when you're rotting a team with players like John McGinn, Phil Coutinho, Danny Ings, Ollie Watkins up front, Luca Digne, Emilio Martinez in goal, that is a very very good team. It's a very strong Premier League team. Players that have been doing it for years and years in the Premier League. It's not like a lot of foreign imports. I think a lot of people were just a bit still starstruck. Like, obviously, Steven Gerrard's first job was managing Rangers, which he done very well. Right. And then instantly jumped down to the Premier League. The Premier League is a different kettle of fish. You know, usually if you're a football manager starting out, go sow your seeds in other leagues, other jumping into something as big like the Premier League just doesn't pan out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you're seeing it with Lampard at Everton. Everton are in the total shit right now. Yeah, But I think just like Lampard and Gerrard get the pass just because they are England legends, Premier League legends. But in my opinion, it doesn't give you any excuse. You yeah. know, I don't care if like you've won them the World Cup. If you're not doing good with that team, the fans have the right to boo you. And as far as Gerard criticising himself and then criticising the players, he's been doing it for a while. There's only so many times you can do it before a statement needs to be made. And I think Villa fans deserve better, in my opinion. I'll agree. I'll agree. I 
I don't really, I don't really know the, the, the history and culture of Aston Villa um, enough to sit here and, and talk about that. But one thing I do want to talk about um, that is parallel to this is former players turn coaches and the success rate that they yeah. have coming up from being a player to a coach. And being that Steven Gerrard is falling short on that side of the uh, of the topic, what coaches out there that you could see currently? Oh, excuse me. Let me let me retract that. What players right now that are on the end of their career do you see that could make an impact as a Premier League coach in the future? Whew. A good question. So obviously, I feel the Premier League different from the Bundesliga league. On it's a physical league, so you're looking at someone that's been in it, has done a lot of it, and a physical impact. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of players towards the end of their career. Obviously, I think you know someone who I believe is doing their coaching there now, Mark Noble, who just retired mm-hmm. from West Ham. Yep, I think he could be a good fit. It's starting out with maybe like a championship and going up to the Premier League. Mark Noggle spent his entire career in the Premier League. I believe he would know it inside and out. Mm-hmm. And if you're a struggling team, you'd be looking for a bit of experience with someone with it. Yeah, but with the whole Gerard thing, one of the managers I think that will be out at the end of the season, well, first out at the end of the season with Brendan Rodgers. But the parallel was Brendan Rodgers, very good manager, who's just right. not getting what he wants at Leicester. Mm-hmm. Towards Steven Gerrard, who is spending money on big players, but not delivering results. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see Brendan Rodgers coming in to Aston Villa at some point this season. That's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. A couple of the plays that I could see, and I know they're not at the very end of their careers, but they're going... Towards the back end of their primes, Virgil Van Dyke and Ilkay Gundogan, I could see being coaches. Gundogan's Gundogan's a great player. I've, I've always been a fan of Gundogan, especially when he was at Dortmund. Mm-hmm. Um, he adapted to the Premier League so well. I think a lot of people would have assumed at this point he would have been gone from Man City, not part of Man City. But he stuck was... it out, and I think he would make a great coach in terms of. The style of play, box to box midfielder, you know, very schools esque. I could see, I could see Gundogan becoming quite a good coach in the Premier League. Uh, City has done a really good job with their media. They actually they they did a series that kind of I feel like is almost like a branch off of the All or Nothing series they did on uh, Amazon Prime. They're doing it on their own platform on City Plus, and it's uh, the Champions. It's like Champions again or something like that. They're doing a really good job of kind of like filling that in, and they actually showed a a decent segment of Gundawan in with the academy kids. The way that he speaks with them, the way that he guides them and is a mentor to them, like those are things that I would love to see in a coach for somebody like my son. Yeah, um, you know, it's and I know that you have some some coaching background as well. It, it's it, it, it takes a lot for this up-and-coming era of kids. For the coaches now and the up-and-coming, they, they have to take that old-school mentality out of their coaching rhetoric. It's to be to be hard-nosed like... Um, name somebody old. Um, I wouldn't even... I wouldn't say Ancelotti. He doesn't really... I don't feel like he has that type of old-school type of coaching style where you just kind of constantly yell... I know yeah, Pep does it the a style bit. of, yeah, I know. There's, there's I know Pep does it a bit, but it's more enthusiastic. Thing. Yeah, the old screaming and shouting at a player to get what you want doesn't work. The Alex Ferguson style, right? Don't think would really work nowadays. The landscape of football has evolved; it's changed. There's more money. There's more celebrity status. You know, I think just put, putting your arm around a player now works more than just lambasting them. And I, I think you got a lot of good coaches now like that, obviously like Pep, Mikel Arteta, again, who does have a temper. I've watched 
the Arsenal one on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, Thomas Tuchel as well. Very, very yeah. conservative. Very, very knowledgeable mm-hmm. as well. Conte. Um, Conte, I yeah. Imagine. I think Conte's a great, a great manager. He is, but I um, feel like he still operates in that classic mindset of scream, scream, and scream, and scream. Like, yeah, he's he's always been a tough, tough coach. I get that. Just a lot of the Italian managers are like that. The Italian style was still very, very aggressive. You know, but obviously, like in Italian football, their style is a lot different. They're all about defending and grinding out. Getting conceding no goals, it's not really about attack, attack, it's about defend, defend with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they concede a goal, they will go fucking through the roof with that, which is obviously different when you come like, to the Premier League and stuff where mm-hmm. you're not scoring, you're not getting the results, X, Y, and Z, and then just berating the players, which is just going to bring them down even more. It does. It, I, I remember being coached in sports that I played when I was younger, and anytime that the coach would go on a fucking rant fest. It, it didn't do anything for me. It didn't motivate me. It actually, like, discouraged me. I, I mean, I had a very specific incident that happened with me. Uh, I was playing American football. I missed a blocking assignment and it, in the game previous to this practice. I wasn't even supposed to be in that position for that game, but somebody got hurt, so I had to fill in for that position on the series. Uh, I missed the block. Coach, in the next practice... Literally lined up all the quarterbacks, all the running backs, if you know American football and those positions, they're the ones who get hit the most next to wide receivers. And, uh, yeah, so he lined up all the quarterbacks and running backs because I missed a blocking position when I was actually a running back and made my best friend crack back me, was screaming at him to do it, like was making the boy cry. That did nothing for anybody on that team that day. Absolutely yeah. nothing. That all, all that did was demoralize the whole team. I actually ended up, my mom pulled me off the team, which kind of sucked because I still wanted to play. Um, <laughs> they ended up losing the rest of the season. Not to like, you know, strong yeah. arm everybody and say, I'm, I was the fucking greatest because I wasn't. I, I, was, I was a part of, the, part of the puzzle there. And you got that's how you kind of have to treat a player. You have to treat, they are, they are what's making you better there are there are what is executing your plan treat them with respect and you'll get respect back on the pitch yeah 100 percent. they talk about making make or break a player i feel too many people want to break them instead of make them you know don't berate them mistakes happen at the end of the day and you'll get more out of them when you empathize instead of just shouting at them Mm mm-hmm yeah. More than no, nowadays, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, the younger generations just don't take to it anymore. It's like, like I, I've even, I've had my son, he's six years old. He's done some things and I've raised my voice at him. All it does is nothing. It doesn't teach him anything. No. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't share the lesson or, or teach a lesson. It doesn't. And, and, and the one thing that I always have to do as a parent and even as a coach if you do get to that point, you got you got to let that moment happen, but then take it, not take it back, but address that player and, and in a way where you 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 help them learn what was going on there and why your reaction was that. Apologize for your action. Say that it wasn't right. Acknowledge that you weren't wrong. That's not a moment of weakness. I feel like that's a moment of strength for any person that can yeah. admit that they did something wrong. And that they didn't mean to affect that person in a negative way. So, yeah. Anyways, off of that, I, I, we were talking about Aston Villa. We went into coaching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, that kind of comes back all around. I mean, you see Steven Gerrard being out. Do you think he gets sacked by, we'll say, the winter break? This is the thing. If he would want it in his resume to be sacked or he will leave of his own accord... Um, unless something big changes with with Villa, I think a lot of people still assume Aston Villa are just this little team. Aston Villa are one of the biggest teams, you know, in English football history up there with Nottingham Forest. I mean, mm. European Cups, everything. They want to be like that again, which obviously Forest want to be up there as well. Um, but Villa fans need to see 
more when more is put in. You know, there has been investment. Gerard coming in was big. It, all this stuff. But there's no good outcome coming from it. And it needs to be addressed. You can't wait till midway through the season for it to be addressed. It needs to be addressed straight away. Mm. Let's see how he goes with the next two, maybe three games. There needs to be points getting gathered in those games. Do you think they're missing Jack Grealish a little bit? Jack Grealish, obviously, he was a huge part of the club. And mm-hmm. obviously they got a hundred million for him in the end, so I don't even think there was bad blood with Jack Grealish leaving no, because he did so get either. them a good payday. Again, I still say this with Man City: a hundred million pound for a player that you know, in my opinion, Jack Grealish is not worth a hundred million pound. But then again, no. is any player worth a hundred million pound? No, I, feel I think like he was a, a very good was... player in a very bad team. It wasn't like a world-class player on a bad team. I'll agree to that statement. What he contributed, what he produced, what he created with Villa uh, before he came to City was commendable. It was worth talking about. The price tag that came with it is nothing more, in my opinion, than fucking English tax. That's all that is. He is, at that point in time, in my opinion, he was a 50, maybe 60 million pound player. Maybe. Yeah, I think going into the Euros, people were like, this guy, it's going to be like Pring, David Beckham, this and that. And Mm -hmm. to be honest, he was very bit part in the Euros for England. I remember one game he even got subbed on and then subbed back off, which is humiliating if you're a player. Um, Even when England played Scotland, Jack Grealish got nowhere near the box from the Scottish player Stephen O'Donnell, who at the time was worth... £500,000 and he pocketed a £100 million winger. The English, the English media will hype up English players it will continue to happen and it's a shame because it ruins so many players careers because if they don't, if in 10 games they don't turn into the next fucking Alan Shearer, the media will be like, that is terrible, what a terrible player, you are terrible you've not lived up to the hype we had these expectations and you've not met them I think the English media can be quite toxic, especially in the Premier League. I would hate to be a young English player playing at a top six club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing, it, it, nothing honestly, it would be it. horrible. The media would be on you constantly because you're the next hope for this nation, you know, and it's just like, bro, I'm like 17, just out of school. I feel like the only one young lads on the English uh, national team that has taken that on willingly has been Phil Foden and I'll say Mason Mount. I don't think he really wants. I don't think he really wants the the notoriety, but like Phil's like, I'll take it. I can take this. Yeah, I feel like Phil Foden. Obviously, people keep touting him for the Ballon d'Or in a couple of years. Time we'll see how that goes. He's a very, very good yeah. player. Mason Mount as well, I think, does a great shift for Chelsea. Probably not when they play him as a striker, which they sometimes do. He's not a striker. He's not a goal scorer. No. Um, I think that's just to go throwing the midfielders up front because he was terrified to play Lukaku and like and uh, Werner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the two of them, great talents, and I think Phil Foden will be one for the future, definitely. Yes. Especially working under a a coach like Pep. I mean, he's already amplified his game probably two times over. It's not to say that Phil Foden wouldn't become an exceptional football player, but the diversity in which Pep has given or developed him into, I mean, he's he could be an out and out winger, he could be a striker, he can be a midfielder. Yeah. And in Pep's system, you kind of need to be diverse. And out of all the players, especially that play in the mid to forward half of the field, like, he's the one that can do the most, in my opinion. Mares <laughs> is only really strictly to the right. Holland's clearly an out-and-out striker. That's all he'll ever be. 
Kevin can play a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but we all know that he's exactly where he needs to be. He's always going to be on the right yeah. uh, in the midfield. Um, I just can't think of another player. I mean, even Jack. Jack is stuck to the left. I mean, you can bring him in over the middle, but he would be an awful, awful choice for if you were to like reestablish the false nine and bring him in to play as the false nine. No. No, no that's not going to work. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Phil Foden. Phil Foden, very, very, very diverse player, and I don't think that he would be that without Pep, but spoken like a City fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so let's get into our weekly predictions of our top six teams. Um, this week, it's it, kind of a little bit of a mix-up at the top of the table. A little bit. Um, yeah. Tottenham went up. Chelsea's finally back in the top six. Um, Newcastle got knocked out. Didn't see that coming. But to go down to the rest, we'll just fill in the top ten. Um, United and Liverpool made a huge jump from 14 and 16 to 8 and yep, 9. Very big jump. Very, very big jump. And then Brentford went ahead and took themselves down to 10. Um, I think with that... It's it's almost a three way tie, um, except for the goal differential between Brett, Brentford and Fulham. Um, but this is just going to be a wild, wild. I think I think maybe eight weeks. It's going to be eight weeks until we see something a little bit more solidified up at the top. Yeah. Um, but just to go into our first match, we got Fulham versus Brighton. Sean, what do you think? Hmm. Like we said, I don't think we expected Brighton's form to kind of stay. With obviously their win over Leeds, um, I'm probably going to go for two 0 Fulham, just because I really like Fulham right now. And again, with my prediction last time, Mitrovic is getting at least one of the goals. He's going Mitrovic again. I mean, he really is. He's just, and we said it earlier. He's just, he's sensational. He just oh, he plays fantastic. He plays like we want a striker to play. We want somebody who's got a body, who's going to fucking toss it around and fucking just be like, no, bitch, this is my box. I'm kicking it. I'm kicking this ball in right now. Um, I'm going to go right along with you. Uh, I think this is actually going to probably be a 1-0 full match. Uh, I think Brighton's form falls off. I think Fulham are ready to announce themselves. Uh, yeah. in the Premier League. So I think this is going to be their match. Uh, I definitely think Mitrovic is going to get that goal. Um, so on to the next match, Southampton versus Chelsea. Um, Southampton does look good in some parts of their games. Yeah. And then there's some parts where they just look like you should be down at the bottom. You're not... You're not very good. Raz scored his first goal of the season uh, for Chelsea. I think with them bringing in Fafana, I don't actually come to think of that before I say that out loud. Um, I don't even know that he's gotten his physical done with Chelsea yet. Um, no, I don't, I don't think he has, no. So if he hasn't done his physical, he obviously can't sign or be registered. Um even still, though, Chelsea are going to be, in my opinion, a very much dominant force in this one. Southampton might give them a little bit of trouble just because of their sporadic play that they have during their matches. Um, I'm actually going to go 3-1 Chelsea on this. Hmm. I was, I think I would have been the same, but I don't see, really see... Southampton score against Chelsea. I'm going to go 3-0 for Chelsea. I think they'll want to kind of make a statement against mm. Chelsea and get a big win. So I'm going to go... I'll go 3-0. Okay. All right. Arsenal versus Villa. We were just talking about Villa, so... Take it away. Yeah, I, I'm not even giving Villa a pot to piss in at this point. It's going to be... <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say so I'm gonna say four 0 Arsenal. I four 0 Martin Odegaard to get a goal as well and Gabby Hizos to get a goal. 
Uh, I'm going to agree on that line. Um, I, I think, think Gabby's overdue a goal. He is overdue a goal. Uh, and it's surprising because, like, you know, we were talking over the last couple of games, specifically me and giving him a lot of praise being at Arsenal and how well he's been doing and how well he's fit into uh, Mikel Arteta's system. He's only scored two goals. He has more assists than he has goals. I think he has was a four assists now. Four assists, two goals. Yeah. I, I, it just felt like he was doing so much more in, the ter- in terms of goal, but still he's he is doing a lot. I don't want to take that away from me. He's still doing a lot. Um, I think he gets two goals in this one. Um, I, I, he, like you said, he's doing, he's due a couple of goals. And I think that with a very much demoralized Villa, um, it's just not going to come to fruition. So I think, yeah. Yeah. So with city and forest, um, I, I, I'm still on the whole thing of 19 players being signed is still a lot. Um, you basically signed team and a half that wasn't there from a season before. You're going up a very up against a very the champions, and you just came up. I think Jesse Lingard has been showing a decent amount of play for them, decent good play for them. Um, there's not really a whole lot to talk else on that team though. Like I don't, every player that's come in is kind of like, I don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah. I seen against Spurs, they played Jesse Lingard as a striker as well. They did. They did. I mean, um, um, Morgan Gibbs white up top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I think this is going to end up being a kind of a thrashing. I think this is going to be a five nil city match. I think uh, I'm going to try and be a little bit more. I'm going to try and be a little bit more confident in Forest because I like the scrappy football. I want to see. Yeah. I want to see them keeping it going. I'm going to say three two to City. These are still going to get the win. Um, but I think again, Forest they'll just be the underdogs. They'll just go out kicking and screaming, and I think they'll maybe get two goals. So I'll say three two. You know, and I honestly could see that happening. Um, I hate saying this because, you know, Ruben Diaz and John Stones have been doing a really decent... Uh, well, they did a decent job up until the last match um, yeah. defensively. It's it's getting kind of worrisome right now. Um, Ake is a na- has, has a knock right now. Sergio yeah. Gomez has played really well. Um my thing is, is that with the way that they play Jal Cancelo, it's it's it, he's not playing defensively enough. Uh, they, they've been trying to work this three four two one system out, and I don't. I started liking it in the preseason. I thought, oh, this could really work really well for Holland. You know, him being up front, having basically two people funneling into him three people even, and at times you could even have all, like, five or six, um, depending on who you bring up front, but it just, I guess I got so used to the 4-3-3 ball that Pep has played over the past few years, it's just, seeing that, I don't feel comfortable with it yet, and I feel like it's made them a lot more suspect. When they have four back, it, it feels more, um, secure, I guess. Yeah. Um, but going back to the you know the back situation or, or wing back situation, Kyle Walker, Kyle Walker is still a good fullback. I don't know that he was the fullback that he was a couple years ago. Now, I think that with Pep's probably not there. He's probably catching up with him. No. Well, and the one thing that I see that he, that he does that he I feel like he really needs to get a hold of is his over-pursuit. Um, there's times where he's coming back to get back in position, and he overshoots the position. Like, I don't know how that's possible, but it's like, like you could have somebody down near by the byline, and he's in the stands by the time he gets there. Yeah. 
You know, he doesn't. It's it's like it's like watching Forrest Gump. Okay, if you get that analogy, where they have to put yeah. the sign up stop. Um, it's just like he doesn't he doesn't know how to stop himself quick enough to be able to get back into position. And that's something that scares me. You're kind of making me rethink my score. <laughs> um, because I, now thinking about the last match, it's just it, it, there's there's been a lot of questions that have come up. And actually, there was one that came up on the Real Governor's page. It's uh, City Followers page uh, over there. And one of the questions that was brought up, if there's anybody out there... Um, in all of European football that you would bring in to fill in or to bring in as a center back, who would it be? And I've, I've said this name a hundred times, Max Lacroix, Lacroix from Wolfsburg, I feel like would be a excellent addition, not a yeah. sell one to get one. No, excellent addition to the back, to the uh, back line there. He plays a lot like he's like a, he's like a mix between Rubes in Laporte, in a way, um, it's just his physicality more than anything that I feel like he would be really good back there. Um, but that's but just to get off of that, just that was somebody I wanted to throw out there. I feel like there does need to be one more piece that is brought in for City to make yeah. them a little bit more complete. I feel like losing Zinchenko is going to start showing very very soon because as good as Jao Cancelo is as, as the left back. Again, they've been playing a lot, him a lot more up in the midfield and even even closer up to a wing position. Um, they need somebody back there, and I don't know that Sergio Gomez is exactly that player yet. He's, he plays a lot like, um, from what I've seen, it kind of reminds me of, and I know it's not the same, they don't play the same exact position, but a Nick Adamendi. Um, he just um, he, he doesn't really play the traditional wing back position. He likes to play yeah. kind of the way the Jow's playing. Even the way that Kyle Walker's been playing over the last couple of games, but that's just been his style of play, even in, even back into Interlicht. Um I, I trust what Vincent Company's done with him, but I don't know that he's quite there yet. So I think I'm going to drop them one goal and say four nil instead of five. <laughs> How humble! I'm trying here. I'm trying. <laughs> um. Spurs, excuse me, West Ham Spurs. Um, West Ham just, ugh. yeah, just not, not where I think a lot of people assume they would be. They've done well under David Moyes, but so far this season, I'm not impressed with anything I've seen. Like no. I would just go two 0 Spurs again. I think they'll confidently get a win. Um, but I'll just roughly say 2-0, maybe like Harry Kane and so on. I think I'm going to have to agree with you on the scoreline too, because it's where where I can probably see West Ham stepping up a little bit, especially defensively. Um, Declan Rice being more on the center defensive. Yeah. Not that he isn't already, it's just I feel like I feel like there's a lot of times where they use him in a little bit more of an attacking way, and he doesn't need to be that person. He needs to be more on the defensive uh, side of it. Um, well, bringing in Lucas um, Pacueta, obviously a good signing for West Ham, might free yes. the midfield up a little bit. And it also it means that West Ham's midfield is going to be a packet of rice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the one thing that I, I, I need to see West Ham do is they brought in Skamaka um, from what? Was he was he was he in Napoli? I think so, or maybe Sampdoria. Can't really remember. One of the Italian teams. He was one of the Italian yeah. teams. For um, a lot of money, they brought man. Yeah, it, I feel like he could be really good. He doesn't have the pieces around him yet. Um, I don't know that Moy's system really fits him. Just yeah. Again, Moy's just a small observation. Yeah. Just a small observation. But yeah, I'll agree. Spurs, 2-0. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you know, I'm, I'm really kind of like... I'm trying to remember this from last year. I mean, we When we started this podcast, we were at... We were on the second part of Champions League. And 
trying to remember how much we compiled all of that shit in together. This is going to be a crazy, crazy year with World Cup put into that. Yeah, because we'll have the and World I'm excited Cup, as Champions shit. League, and the League all running together. So it's exactly. going to be players are going to be absolutely exhausted and burst. Teams are going to have to use reserve players, squad rotation players to their full potential. So, I mean, it's going to look for an interesting season. Yes. Yes. And, yeah, I'm so excited for it. Um, is there anything you have left to add before we uh, we get out of here? Just quickly, I would like to say that Liverpool and Bournemouth was like watching Harvey Weinstein in a nursery. <laughs> That's the only oh comment God. that is needed on that game. So that was your Jesus Amara rainbow for the for the episode. <laughs> yeah. If I could have a quote of the week, that is my quote of the week for Bournemouth Liverpool. Nothing else needs to be said. Just that statement. <laughs> well done, Sean. Well done. All right, guys. Thanks you. Thank. Excuse me. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, excuse my uh, speech impediment there. Um. Make sure that you do as always. Tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your grandmother, tell your grandfather, tell your sister, tell your brother, tell your, tell your, tell your brother to tell his brother's friends and all of his little biddies that he's got on the side because I'm sure they know some footballers. Um, Till then, see you next time. Peace out. See ya. Let's blow the roof. I scratch the sun. I walk away. I better run. And I need to know if you're feeling fine. Cause I'm feeling numb. We got a city to run. So let's blow the roof. Scratch the sun. I walk away. I better run. And I need to know if you're feeling fine. Cause I'm feeling numb. We got a city to run. So let's blow the roof. That wasn't too bad, was it? Now it's time for you to do a little work and click like or follow. 